This is episode 156 with Alexandra Pullen. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Cam, former Division I swimmer, Forever Athlete founder, and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life really one conversation at a time. Remember, you can text or call into the show. Join us at any time at 301-747-0718. Now, today, I'm joined by Alexandra Pullen, a health, holistic wellness, yoga, and overall life enthusiast who happened to be a professional ballet dancer for the better part of her life journey so far. She's had the chance to travel the world while on tour and performed all over thanks to ballet, but she's also been very open about the struggles that came with it on her journey to this point in time. Today's episode really opens up about dealing with self-doubt, navigating an uncommon childhood through Alex's experience of moving to New York City at just 16 years old, and what she's learned along the way thanks to both therapy and her mental health journey post-ballet career. Alex really has a beautiful energy about her, and I can't wait for you all to experience just a glimpse of that through today's conversation. So please, welcome on Alex to the show. Alex, what is up? Welcome to the in-person outdoor podcast studio. I appreciate you joining us. And we're live streaming for the first time, so I'm super excited for that. But how the heck are you? How are you feeling today? I'm great. I'm ready for the holidays. Yeah, feeling good. Amazing. And you're about to hop on a flight tomorrow for a quick trip back home, (laughs) um, which is nothing new to you. You're used to traveling a bunch, I feel like, through your career growing up as ballet dancer and now here transitioning now into yoga mindfulness can you talk to us oh that didn't sound good (laughs) um we got things falling in the background can you just talk to us for a minute about about that journey like why ballet of all things growing up yeah so um well as cliche as it sounds I was a five-year-old girl who wanted to do nothing but wear ballet tutus and dance around um but the added layer is my mom was also a professional ballet dancer and I grew Mm. up looking at pictures of her in our hallway. We have this big hallway with all these pictures from her performances lining the wall. Um, So I always really admired her growing up, still do. Um, And I just wanted to be like her and do ballet as well. But my mom was a professional ballet dancer, so she really didn't want me to start ballet. Mm -hmm. So I literally had to beg her like on my knees beg her if I could take ballet class and she finally was like okay fine fine and then I took to it pretty quickly and then my mom got into it and then the rest was kind of history (laughs) yeah and one of the things that I think you and I have talked about at length before sitting down and actually recording a formal conversation was the abnormal upbringing that came along with this choice to pursue ballet not just at like pursue ballet but to do it at the level that you did Mm -hmm. you ended up leaving home moving to New York at 16 right Mm -hmm. What was that like? Because most 16-year-olds are not making that big life decision. Yeah. Well, I guess I think about now not what it was like, but what Mm. I didn't experience. And even, you know, I'm 27 now and I'm still doing things for the first time, learning cultural references that I never understood growing up. Because the truth of the matter is I just didn't, as bleak as this might sound, Mm -hmm. it's not really that sad, but I didn't have a childhood in the normal sense because I had an immense responsibility from a young age of training and I had a career already laid out for me Mm. and I already essentially had a job as a kid, if that makes sense. So I didn't have the normal socialization or just being a kid and only worrying about being a kid. I didn't have that. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing. I grew up really fast. Mm. What was looking back now in retrospect, one of those examples of a a childhood 
norm or thing that most people might take for granted and yeah. you realized later that you were like oh shoot I never experienced that oh my gosh it's so many things but a big one that comes up is movie references because mm. I haven't seen any movies <laughs> like I have a friend that jokes that I only know movie references after like 2000. 18 or whenever I retired because <laughs> I just never watched movies. I didn't go to the movies with friends. Mm -hmm. So I never get it when people make references to like 90s, 2000, 2010 even. <laughs> like I, I'm completely lost. So any pop culture from that era? Yeah, any like, pop culture. I'm like, later, yeah, because it. it was just like all ballet all the time. How did you handle the pressure that kind of comes with that? Because that's a lot to deal with, especially at that age of all things. I think the way I handled it is that I was very hyper-focused and tunnel vision and only thought about that, which I'm not mm. saying is healthy in any <laughs> sense, <laughs> but it is what got me where I wanted to be, which was dancing with American Ballet Theater. It's mm. one of the most prestigious companies in the world. Um, and it's really just a numbers game. Like the, fa I, it, the fact that I danced with ABT, I'm, it blows my mind because at that point, it's not even just about talent or skill it's also just being in the right place at the right time like I'm so lucky and so mm. blessed that I was given that opportunity but it took giving up everything else I would ask you this knowing what you know now about mindfulness and more of a balanced approach because I, I love this debate because I come from that same camp of like all in on this thing yeah. and nothing else matters is there a way to reach that level without being so tunnel visioned locked in like that you know i want to sit here across from you and tell you <laughs> yeah. yeah be whatever you want do half in half out drink with your friends on the weekend party mm. whatever have a normal life and you'll be a professional ballerina tomorrow but the reality is i don't think that's true at least mm. for me I, I don't think that that would have been possible to do both um Knowing what I know now, I would never change a thing because it made me who I am. It gave me my work ethic. It gave me so much. But would I want that for my future child? Mm. Absolutely not. <laughs> Do you now see like what the dilemma your mom was faced with when yeah, <laughs> you wanted to get into this? Well, it's very weird because my youngest sister, she's 16. So she's mm -hmm. quite a bit younger than me. And she's, you know, she's like, she's not my child, obviously, but she feels like more than a sister because mm -hmm. I'm so much older. Um, she's like my baby, you know, and she wants to be a ballet dancer. She's studying at the Royal Ballet School in London. And the amount of anxiety that this child gives me because <laughs> of the path that she's choosing, it's unreal. Like I, it gives me such a deeper empathy for my mom mm. seeing me go through that. And she was super supportive and did everything she could. But, you know, she also knew that it wasn't the healthiest environment, but she did her best to, you know, tell me you know you should eat food you should take care yeah. of your body this and that but it's just not there's not really unfortunately to my knowledge there's not a way to really do it in a super balanced way mm. I, I think the debate that keeps coming up on this show in particular in, in conversation that I had lately is I don't know if it's necessarily balance as it is more of this discussion of harmony this discussion mm. of how can we have other parts of us that support and build to this overall music that we are producing as human beings and looking at okay how does my time with friends contribute to not just my relationships and the quality of my relationships with them but also 
to me as a or in as your an case, artist as an artist as, yeah. as a ballet dancer um what is, like what would so I'd be curious just to, to hear your yeah. thoughts there on that well something that came up for me when you said that so for ballet you know it's an art it's not mm-hmm. just the athletic side so oftentimes you're portraying you know being in love or mm. you're in a story ballet that takes place in the 1800s and you're portraying something that you don't understand and you have to draw from your own life experience. So you draw from your own heartbreak, you draw from whatever it is. Um, But because I had no life experience, because all I did was ballet, I feel that as an artist, I suffered because of that sacrifice. I think going back, part of me feels like if I was in the ballet world now Mm -hmm. with all the other tools that I have, I would be that much better of an artist at the same time so it is I don't know the answer to the debate of like you know is it possible to do both to be balanced to be in harmony because I agree that it does enhance your artistry and Mm. athleticism if you can let yourself have fun and have relationships and have friendships that fulfill you in other ways and inspire you as an artist but it's also a distraction at the end of the day yeah yeah I think that's the 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 wording there is it's not necessarily shooting for balance. It's shooting for harmony. Yeah. It's I love not, that. <laughs> it's not cause yeah, there's to a certain extent balance is bullshit when it comes to <laughs> competing at that level. Yes. You, there's sacrifices point blank that have to be made. Yeah. Now, do you have to sacrifice to the point of giving up a whole child? I don't know. You yeah. know, I think that that jury's still out there with your sister. Now it's kind of cool in some yeah. ways, right? Like, yeah. in retrospect, she's about 11 years younger than you. So, in a way, it's almost like, is it like watching a movie of, oh, maybe this is what it was like going f- through for me? And then how do you draw on your themes that you learned and your experiences to, I don't know, maybe build that relationship closer with her? Or is that like a total, we don't talk about this? So I think for a long time, she was nervous to bring up ballet at all in front Mm -hmm. of me because as much as I, you know, walked away from it and didn't want to do it, it's my biggest love. It's the thing that I'm the best at. The most natural thing in the world for me is to do ballet, but I can't do that and be healthy and be happy. So that's the reality of Mm. the situation. And there, you know, there was a grieving that came with that. And I think that's for any athlete or artist or whatever it is. Um, you have to grieve that part of you. So my sister was very, you know, just kind of cautious of bringing it up. And then we had a conversation where I was like, you can talk to me about ballet. Like I'm here for you and I want to be someone that you can talk to Mm -hmm. because I've done this, you know? So then we started talking about it more and my sister luckily has a very different experience. I was kind of thrown to the wolves moving to New York on Mm -hmm. my own at 16, like living in an apartment on my, I have so many stories of like, craziness that ha- just a teen loose in New York yeah. working with you know my coworkers were in their 30s I it was just it could be a whole movie <laughs> that situation <laughs> like I I moved in with a woman my mom thought it would be good because she was like a grandmother but she had Alzheimer's and she didn't know who I was oh, perfect and she would like come into my room with a baseball bat and be like who are you what are you doing in my house like I'm like 16 trying to figure it out So thank God my sister, she's at boarding school. So she's in a dorm. She has friends her own age. She's Mm. like socializing. She's probably doing things that she shouldn't, which is a good thing because you (laughs) should do that when you're 16. Um, So I'm really happy that she's having a different experience and it's showing me that there is another way to do it because my sister is a lot more balanced than I was. Mm. I 
was very, like I said, tunnel vision, sacrificed everything, didn't have friendships or relationships really because I didn't make time for anything other than ballet. And my sister, you know, she like kissed a boy and like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, that's totally fine. We agree. <laughs> you know, that's part of the childhood experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, that's, that's hilarious. The living situation that you found yourself in. Oh my too. God. It was crazy. It was just comedically bad that situation <laughs> how did your support system improve from that because i feel like that's maybe maybe worst case scenario it was worse it was worst <laughs> case scenario so then i moved by myself which was you know because my mom was thinking oh she's moving to new york mm-hmm. by herself i'll have her with a community of people but those people were not <laughs> the best people to be living with yeah so then i got my own place and you know that also came with its own downside because to be 17 mm-hmm. living in an apartment by yourself in Manhattan is a unique kind of lonely in a city that's that big you know yeah a hundred percent did you you mentioned like just the relationship aspect more from the friendship and support group level that was loud that definitely <laughs> got picked up uh, <laughs> for context we're recording this outside and um but from the relationship level what was that like then did you try to connect with other people that were outside of the ballet world how did that go and now on the flip side no long i wouldn't say no longer having ballet a part of your life because it still very much is i see yeah. the instagram stories you're still <laughs> letting it flow and embracing that creative side but how since closing that competitive chapter in your life and you've moved into this next chapter how have you how's it been navigating those relationships so I feel like when I retired from ballet I left a cult of sorts and (laughs) that always goes well yeah and I know I know that not every ballet dancer has this experience but again my personality was very extreme and I thought Mm. that was the way to be successful and in a sense it was the way for me to be successful in that was it the way for me to be happy no but when I first left ballet, I felt so out of sorts. I didn't know how to connect with, quote, normal people. I only knew how to talk to ballet dancers about ballet-related yeah. things. So I actually, I remember I got a job at a juice bar coffee shop. And, you know, I had to stand at the register and be like, hey, how are you? And just engage in normal small talk conversation with, like, Joe Schmo. It's <laughs> my worst nightmare. And. <laughs> It was beyond my worst nightmare because I didn't know how to connect with people, but it was the best thing for me because it Mm. taught me how to say, oh, hey, how's it going? How's your day? Which is so basic, but I never really learned these things because I went to school, but, you know, I was homeschooled partially. I would, you know, I didn't have a lunch Mm. period because I got out of it. I didn't have to go to gym. So all the things where you socialize and, you know, and I skipped a great... I didn't have the... You just made it complicated. Yeah, I didn't have the normal social experiences that people have. So it, it was very daunting to connect with people, which is interesting now because I'm very talkative. I'm very sociable. I can mm-hmm. talk to a brick wall, but I just didn't have the practice and I didn't know how to connect with people. So over the past five or six years since I retired... I feel that I've connected to who I actually am, which is someone that's able to talk to anyone and Mm -hmm. really social. And I feel much happier being able to connect to people because it's not fun going through life, just thinking about yourself and your career and your sport or whatever it is. Um, Life is to connect with other people. That's 
I think why we're here. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. And it's, it's very interesting to kind of circle it back to that tunnel vision aspect. It's, I've noticed it in getting into business and mm-hmm. then launching the solo entrepreneurial, you know, space. And it always blows my mind when I come across people that are still stuck in that tunnel vision mm-hmm. way of thinking where it's like, unless you can really add value to me, I don't want you in my life at all. And it's like very dismissive, very kind of, I wouldn't, not even door closed. I would say door is pretty much closed mm-hmm. there for any sort of connection to even be made. And I've always gone about it the other way. I look back at, personally in my experience, like my favorite thing from swimming and growing up in that environment was the people that it brought me. Um, so trying to recreate that now, it's like, wait, why won't people say what's up and just like grab a virtual coffee. LA. I don't get it. <laughs> and then I, yeah, yeah, then I realized that. Um, but yeah, where, where do you find you connect now most with people? Well, I can relate to the observation of other people doing that. Mm. And when I, I, I had someone the other day say to me, you know, I don't really have time for friends. Friends are really time consuming and I don't want to check in with them. And, you know, I want to stack that paper and whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> <that's sweet. laughs> and I, I looked at him, I'm just like, I didn't say anything because, you know, people have to come to things on their own. If you had told me when I was training and when I was dancing professionally, you know, you really should work on your relationships with your friends and family. That's the most important thing. I'd be like, no, it's not. They'll be there when I'm done. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like I only have so many years to dance. You know, my body's going to start deteriorating quickly. I got to do what I got to do while I can do it. And that will be waiting for me. Mm. Um, And no amount of convincing would have changed that even though someone should have drilled that into me um, or I wish someone had. So I didn't say anything, but I was thinking, you know, like you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Like that's not a way to have a happy, fulfilled life in my opinion. But at the same time, people have to come to things on their own and everyone has their own unique path. And maybe that's what they need to do for a period of time. And then, Mm. You know, because I think there are s- different seasons in our lives. You know, you don't have to be a social butterfly all the time. Like yeah. it is, you know, you have to work hard on something you're passionate about too. And that can kind of take over sometimes. And that's okay too. Yeah. I mean, I, lo- I love to use the example on my platform of like, I'm an introverted extrovert. Like I love to, Same. I love to do this, sit down, have a conversation. But it is really, I wouldn't say really draining and because I think that has a negative connotation. It is draining to my social battery and just my overall mm-hmm. like energy levels. So typically I try to plan out my day where I'm like, okay, I have a couple of instances where I'm interacting with people and I'm great. I'm really present with them. And then I have a lot of time as well where I'm solo doing my thing, recharging my batteries that way yeah. and just finding the harmony between those I love that. is uh it's not easy one of the hardest lessons i've had to learn is sometimes you're just not the right person to deliver that message that's mm-hmm. what came to mind when you were like if someone were to tell me it's like yeah it's funny one we have to be open to be able to receive advice you know it could be the best advice in the world but if we're not open to receive it it's going to go right through us around us over our head and then two it really does depend on who is saying it mm-hmm. it can't be oftentimes it can't be a family member it can't right. be someone close to you because you're True. just like oh my gosh in some ways do you think 
you would have interpreted that almost as a question of who you are. Because at that point, if your tunnel vision and on ballet, did you define kind of your worth as into how your performances were going? I defined everything about myself and the world around me through the lens of ballet. Mm. Um, so it has been a journey of finding my identity outside yeah. of that since I retired because I retired and I was like, wait, who am I? <laughs> you know, cause it's just such a big part of everything that you do and are. So yeah, I think a lot of ba- athletes in general, and we've talked about this, yeah. um, and it, that's initially what we connected on is just the idea of, okay, now what, who am mm-hmm. I? What's, what are the missing pieces to the puzzle? Cause I've only been holding this one. Um, and there's a whole other puzzle, you know? So there's, um, a lot more to it than just your sport or your thing that you did or that you were mm. really good at. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> I was about to say, what talk, walk us through that transition out and exploring these, I want to say, I want to almost call them alternative identities, right? Because mm-hmm. in some ways, yeah, you lose a part of who you are. But it seems to me, at least from the time that I've gotten to know you, that it obviously is still a part of your life. Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. the Instagram stories <laughs> and the and you're still flowing and finding movement. But what was that process like for you? Like, could you not look at ballet for a little while? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I think back to that time in my life and laugh sometimes because, yeah, I couldn't listen to classical music, which you don't realize how hard that is until you boycott classical music because it's in places where you wouldn't expect you're in the grocery Mm. store and you hear a Bach and you're like, Oh my God, I got to get out of here. Um, or you're in a big one is you're in Starbucks around Christmas time and you hear the nutcracker, which Mm. for those of you listening that don't know the nutcracker, it's the ballet that you do every single year since, I mean, you start doing it when you're five years old. And then when you're in a company professionally, you might do, 30 shows of Nutcracker wow. a year. It's it's a big money maker, so yeah. you do a lot of Nutcracker shows. Um, but yeah, Starbucks will be playing just like casually the <laughs> score to it, the Tchaikovsky score, and you're, you're just waiting for your coffee and you're like, I'm triggered. <laughs> you're like, if you could not give me PTSD <laughs> like with my almond yeah. milk latte, that'd they're be like, great. <laughs> yeah, like, Sorry, was that almond milk? And you're just like standing there having a PTSD <laughs> meltdown. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that was interesting. And I only listened to rap. Like, I mm. pivoted. and was that's, that's hardcore 180. Yeah. No, I was listening to... Something came on from when I retired that p- time period. So, I guess that was, like, 2016 or something. So, a rap song came on, and I, like, knew all the words. And the person I was with was like, how do you know all the words? <laughs> like, oh, that's what happens when you boycott classical music and only listen to rap for however long. Uh, so, that was a big part of it. But, yeah, I couldn't go to I I still don't like to go to ballets to be honest with you Mm. I haven't been to a ballet since retiring and I don't really feel the need to yet um that being said I never it sounds weird but I never really enjoyed going to ballets Mm. (laughs) um because when you're not because I don't like watching it but because if you're a ballet dancer the lens that you watch it through is Mm. not very kind because we're taught to be so hypercritical of ourselves and others really. So the whole time you're watching, it's through this filter of is her, you know, is she turned out is, 
his knees straight or their feet pointed. You know, you can't just sit and enjoy. Yeah. It's like the same thing as when I go to a yoga class. Now that I'm a yoga teacher, I can't just take a yoga class. I'm, oh, you know, what is the flow? What music do they, you're kind of, there's this whole other layer to it. Um, So yeah, I haven't seen a ballet since, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's taken a long time, but I listen to classical music now. <laughs> um, Back on that train. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there it, it just, I needed to create some distance. I didn't take mm. ballet class at all for years, like did not do a plie and then got really back into it um, right before COVID and actually thought I was maybe going to come out of retirement, but then COVID happened and that kind of, that message to me was that it wasn't meant to be. Um but yeah, I think I would like to get back to taking class more regularly because mm. dancing itself is the thing that I love. The thing that I don't love is everything else. So just connecting <laughs> just connecting back to the thing that I actually love, which is mm-hmm. the art form itself without any of the pressure of performing or having it be my job or any of yeah. that. Yeah, one of the things that helped me the most, because I was very much the same way. I was like, don't don't put me in a pool yeah like i don't want to i've looked at this black line long enough i don't want to go back to that sick of it don't really (laughs) want to go to swim meets um one of the biggest things that's helped me people always ask me those do you still swim it's like i i feel like that's the the go-to question when they'd have nothing else to ask you when they find out like whatever you did in the past like do you still do that yeah i'm like like, uh, I am that, so... Yeah, uh, but what's helped me is open water. So I'm pointing this way because that's where the ocean is. Like, open <laughs> water swimming. Yeah. Uh, poor podcasting uh, for the audio listeners. Yeah. But open water swimming has been great for me because it it allows me to take the parts that I really enjoyed, which was that, so, that extroverted introvert, right? Like, I'm able to do it with friends, but ultimately, while I'm doing it, my head's underwater, and I can tell everyone to just like fuck off for a second, yeah. and I can just be in my zone. Um, and it's the same thing here, but it's through a different avenue. It's something that I didn't grow up in, so I don't have anything to constantly be comparing myself to right. as well. So that's what I found too. Every time that I got back into the pool to try, and whether it was a comeback or just get back into swimming laps, whatever it may be. My mind immediately went to, wow, this is really sad. You used to hold like 30 seconds faster mm-hmm. per hundred on this. Like, Relatable. That's, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. And I'm That like, inner voice. Yeah, I'm like, well, I don't have 20 plus hours to dedicate to this anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to do something else. Yeah. That's such a good hack, though, to do the thing, but in a different setting that you can't compare it to yeah. your, quote, glory days or whatever. It's a total, like, it's totally different set of measurement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you're just doing the thing that you love without having anything to compare it to. I, I would love to find that. I don't think I have because people always be like, oh, why don't you do modern or contemporary or yeah. hip hop? And I'm like, I don't do that. You know, I'm a mm. classically trained ballet dancer. You put me in a hip hop studio. I'm you and I are the same at Perfect. that point. Like if we I don't think in, you realize how bad I am. At no, dancing. but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like if, if we took a hip, like honestly we should do it just to prove like you and I went to a hip hop class. We would be equally like, I might be like a smidge more with it just cause I can get the choreography, but I don't know how to make my body do that. I think that's what the people need. The content <laughs> they need is <laughs> <There's> <laughs> we're going to have a follow-up TikTok. episode. Go yeah. down and do this. 
Uh, yeah. So that has not been the solution for me. So I just go back to ballet class and, you know, that inner voice comes back of like, well, why am I not doing four pirouettes? I'm not even mm. wearing point shoes. Da, da, da. Oh, my turnout isn't as good. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it, it is hard to really just appreciate the yeah. thing. But, you know, just I think I just try to close my eyes and focus on what it feels like than rather than what it looks like mm. has been like the best thing that I can do for that and focusing on the music like I love music that's why I love dancing so just focusing on that and choosing to pay attention to the things that are positive rather than negative yeah because there's no point I was gonna ask <laughs> how you quiet that inner voice personally what it sounds like through those methods yeah I'm just like none of that it, mm. it's a simple is like I'm very disciplined so if a thought like that comes up I'm just like we're not doing that right now I just love not. that. <laughs> <laughs> just no space for that. Yeah, not today. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Um, man, I was I'm losing my train of thought now. As <laughs> we're are you picturing there. us doing? Hip-hop? Yeah, the hip hop dance yeah. moves. Um, for reference, rough. there was one year. I think it was my junior year of college where the dance team decided it would be cool for them to teach the men's swim team a halftime dance show, and we joined them at the basketball game and that was like my worst nightmare can't like most i've ever sweated like from ever. panic just like anxiety <laughs> like this is gonna be so embarrassing i have no like i have no rhythm i don't move that way yeah. um so yeah that was a really fun experience that's how all. i felt at my best friend's wedding we had to do a mm. dance but I don't even remember who choreographed it, but it was like kind of hip hop, just like whatever. Yeah. And I was so nervous <laughs> and I was a professional ballet dancer. Like I shouldn't be nervous, to, but it's just out of your comfort zone and ballet is so specific that yeah. when it's like, oh, I actually have to be fun and like show my personality. Like absolutely not. Like, no, it's, it's artistic. <laughs> yeah. um, here's where the thought that was coming to mind was around just being a creator in general now because you were we were talking before this too about creating reels and creating TikToks and mm -hmm. all of those things. It's really fascinating to have dove into the creator space full time myself to really look at the differences of what I create when I'm being forced to create something versus when it's just creating to create mm -hmm. and seeing what happens. Do you think maybe that might be the solution solution, or something that you might try on with ballet through the lens of, I can finally create just to create. It doesn't have to be for the upcoming show or the 400th rendition of the Nutcracker that you're performing this weekend. Yeah, yeah and I think, well, that's why I like to just go into a studio and mm -hmm. do my own weird improv thing because... And sometimes I'll film it just because that ballet dancer part of me that's like, I, it needs to be for something. Like yeah. I, And maybe going into a studio and just dancing to dance for myself would be a good exercise because you're right, it doesn't have to be towards something tangible. The reason that we did whatever the sport or for me it was ballet, mm -hmm. for you it was swimming, but to connect with really why did we when we when you know when I was five years old and really wanted to do it I wasn't really wanting to do it because I wanted to get a promotion because I wanted you know to get the part or whatever it is um yeah. for people to see it on Instagram or whatever performance um 
type it is. I did it because I wanted to run around in a studio with like a skirt on. I mean, that's, you know, perfect enough reason to get into it. So I think, yeah, that maybe that is a good idea to yeah, try it, out. Yeah, it's know? funny that the conversation has gone here because that's one of the things that I really sit down with the people that I work with and we analyze. It's like I challenge them to peel back the meta mm. layers of why they got started in that thing in the first place because, I mean, I think it's fair to say ballet was your first love. Yeah. Swimming was my first love. You know what I mean? Which, so when you, if you say that to someone who doesn't understand that, they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, they're like, okay, dude. <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, like... Can you be normal for once? Yeah. And I'm like, you don't get it. They don't get it because it's true. It's like it really is your first love that you experience. Well, I think, too, like I've I've really dove into the neuroscience behind these peak states that we get into in these types of environments and experiences. And it's this catch-22, right, when we go all in on something, especially sports is the perfect example of it. We can get into those peak states easier and easier and By easier. peak states, do you mean like release of oxytocin or those hormones that make you feel Flooded good? dopamine into okay. your brain, norepinephrine, you know, all of the fun stuff. Um, getting into flow state, getting into mm-hmm. the zone where you're just so locked in and tunnel vision becomes the best thing in the world because everything just doesn't matter. You're just... The meditation. You're here. Too. Yeah. Being on stage, it's nothing else matters. Exactly, exactly. So it's those states, we become experts at getting into that state because we almost, we've created this roadmap, right? And to your point of coming from being a professional ballet dancer to nervous anxiety before a wedding (laughs) party dance, you're like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's like someone switched the map somewhere Mm -hmm. along the way. It's no longer, we're not, you can be in the same starting position, but you're not going to the same destination it doesn't matter that one destination was in front of thousands and thousands of people and the other is just a wedding um wow so it's just the the direct the map has been changed and i like to equate it oftentimes of being locked out it's like when you lose that one thing that you become an expert in it's basically like someone took your keys to the Mm -hmm. house that you grew up in and they didn't give you any foreclosure warning. They just said, all right, Alex, see ya. Like, you're done. You don't live here anymore. And you've kind of lost the key of really, honestly, the one way that you knew how to be yourself up until that point in time. Yeah. So you have to recreate a set of keys. You have to recreate who you are. And what's really interesting also looking at from a psychology perspective of just identity in at its core, we see there's multiple layers of thinking and the more like we quote unquote reach enlightenment, we start to realize that you're an expression of multiple identities. Mm -hmm. And the more we can embrace that paradox, the better like our overall quality of life is because you're less likely to have your self-worth just tied up into one of those things. Yeah. And you don't have just that one way to get to peak that, in the zone, in flow experience, you have multiple now. So with that monologue being over, (laughs) how would you say you are learning to recreate that map for yourself or recreate those experiences for you in probably different areas of your life? So the experience of the roadmap to find those flow states and... Just feeling like yourself again. Yeah. Um, Or discovering a new part of yourself. 
Yeah, and I I think that's an ongoing. I well, I think that's an ongoing journey for everybody. Um, But I think particularly for athletes that peaked at a young age, it's compounded by the fact that we missed out on exploring all those things Mm -hmm. and doing stupid things and all of that, all those normal experiences. Um, So I think for me, it's doing the normal things um, that I never did that are just so routine to everyone else that I haven't experienced. Um, So continuing to do those, um, building relationships um, just filling up on my quality of life and prioritizing my mental health, um, exploring other interests. I love school. Um, so finally giving myself the opportunity to do that full time yeah. is going to be, I think a whole other map for me. Um, yeah. And just like giving yourself the grace to not have it figured out because the reality is, is that we poured everything into one thing and it, nothing is for nothing you know so being retired it's not that all those years were for nothing but Mm. that being said it's you got to (laughs) pivot and that's what life is about adapting and being resilient and finding the other pieces of the puzzle yeah make up who you are yeah 100 percent. i think two images come to mind it's like you could be 27 and at the bar just drinking away and be like oh my god i remember when i was you know 16 moving to new york and it was the best days of my life yeah and there's kind of like this gloomy outlook of what's ahead or you could be kind of taking more of the approach that you are of there's so much more to learn there's so much more to discover i feel like i'm finally getting to do school yeah it's for a the whole first new world. time really and dive into that and embracing these new experiences are you like going to summer camp and studying abroad now for the first time in your life hopefully (laughs) yeah (laughs) or like just having like a normal job like a normal job where you sit at a desk and talk to people and you know just doing those things that I never got to do Mm. um it's it's exciting you know you can you have two ways to look at it either it's daunting and horrible and nothing else matters or wow, this is my second chance to do everything that I never got to do because I already did the thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. I don't need to do that forever. Yeah, 100% agree. And you also touched on, you know, prioritizing and taking care of mental health there. And I, I do want to double click on that just <laughs> a little bit. What What does that practice look like for you? And for someone that is out there that might be like, okay, mental health is almost this buzzword now. Right. Mm-hmm. Where would you recommend someone starts that journey of starting to prioritize their mental health? Get as a therapist. Well? Perfect. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, please do yourself and everyone else in your life a favor. Please get a therapist. It's, there's no shame in it. Um, I, I think that everyone could benefit from therapy. And I think just having someone who's professionally trained to help you with the condition of life is yeah. never a bad thing. Um, as long as you're going to someone who is, you know, a good person to go to, I think everyone <laughs> can benefit from that. And it's just, I think the first step to, you know, self-reflection and mm. all of that and can give you the support if you need extra support with the mental health aspect. Um, but yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> big, big fan and uh, advocate for therapy. Yeah, here big on the therapy show, guy. So. <laughs> big therapy guy over here. Love um, that. I would ask you this: What does like when you hear the word "forever athlete"? Like, what does that mean to you? Because in my eyes, you represent someone who lives into that motto. 
Thank you. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, with whatever your sport is or whatever it is for me was ballet. Um, I think that's always a part of you. So when I hear the name, I immediately can relate to it because, you know, for better or worse, I will always be a ballet dancer in and out. Mm. So yeah, it's always a part of you and just carrying it with you and kind of repurposing it is kind of what I get from your whole brand and what you're doing, which is so dope, you know? I love that. <laughs> I love that description of it too. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to put a pin in it. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But I think the coolest part to me about just athletics in general, obviously it's, it's how you and I connected uh, right mm-hmm. off the bat. And it is this perfect opportunity to like connect, but once I, what I've realized is then it's the perfect bridge to other connections and mm-hmm. multi multiple layers to relationships and friendships and, and all of that. So it's, it's a cool common ground. Yeah. Ballet too, especially I'm sure there it's even more of a common ground when you meet an, a fellow ballet dancer. Oh, yeah. Well, the world is so small too. So you know pretty much everyone but yeah. when you meet especially another retired ballet dancer on the other side you're like oh, we did it <laughs> you know let's, like, <laughs> like, let's talk oh. about it we yeah. survived <laughs> we survived yeah um what would be your best piece of advice look to that 16 year old self going about to go undergo this crazy journey that you underwent so like you know what i would say even to my younger sister is do normal things too um Yes, you need to put sacrifice a lot, but being well-rounded is really important. And there's a whole life waiting for you on the other side of this endeavor. So make sure to nourish the other parts of you as well. I love that. The whole plant, not just one, yeah, one branch definitely. of it. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Um, fast five real quick. We're going to okay. go rapid fire yeah. to end things out and <laughs> let the people find you and connect with you. They're one sentence, one word answers. First one being, what is your favorite book that you've read in the past year? In the past year? Um, Oh my gosh, I read a lot. This is hard. (laughs) Uh Um, Let's see. I would say The Bell Jar. I reread that. It's my favorite book. Nice. Yeah, it's only a plan. Check it out. (laughs) Number two, what's your go-to podcast that you've been jamming out to? Sex with Emily. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sex positive. She's great. You should check her out. We have not had that answer on the show. So really? Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> Just go for it. It's open. It's open-ended. What is a quote that you live by? Um, a quote that I live by? Um, don't take anything personally. Mm. The four agreements. Actually, all of them, but that one especially. I like that. Another good book. Yeah. Um, Number four is what's something that you can't live without? Uh, Coffee. Easy enough. Last one, number (laughs) five. If you could sum up your focus right now, your intention right now into one word, what is that? Enjoying. Yeah. That's big. (laughs) That's big. Yeah. Hopefully you are enjoying the process right now. Where can those listening in keep up with you find connect with you follow along uh and check out the enjoyment of life as you're going (laughs) through it uh yeah so my instagram is at ali pullen a-l-l-i-e-p-u-l-l-e-n and my website and everything is attached to that as well so awesome best way to connect we'll have it all linked in the show notes ladies and gentlemen once again you're tuned into forever athlete radio where together 
we go far. Alex, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate you. And just want to say, I just want to acknowledge the light that you bring to this world. You are definitely someone that is special and keep showing up, keep being you, keep creating and expressing it. Thank you. Ditto, honestly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, you're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio. Together we go far. Remember, text, call in 301-747-0718. I will see you all next time.